Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. If you're excited, the word of God is what carries power. And today we have the servant of God in the house today. And if you're excited, please stand on your feet as we welcome our Papa. Reverend Gilbert has someone to this day. God is able to do just what he said. I said he will fulfill every Sovereign Lord, come visit us, come and abide with us in the preaching of the word of God. We pray that the word will become flesh and become one with us. May the word transform our lives. May we become the group of people that manifest the kingdom of God in the earth. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for hearing us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Wonderful. You're all welcome to the presence of the Lord. We are going to start with the scripture of the week from Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1. Deuteronomy 28, 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Deuteronomy 28.1. Hallelujah. So let's go. Deuteronomy 28.1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Deuteronomy 28.1. Hallelujah. If you were to pick one word from this verse, what word would you pick? Anybody? Commandments. Hallelujah. Okay. Who else wants to try? Hacken. Amen. What does hacking mean? You know, this is King James. So, to listen with rapt attention. Amen. Okay. And then what other word comes to mind? Voice. The voice of the Lord, thy God. Bishop has a book about, that talks about different voices. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's called the art of hearing. And in that book, he enumerates different types of voices that would compete for your attention. You see, when you are driving and you have passengers with you, and some of the passengers are little, 
There could be older people and then younger people. And then sometimes as you are driving, you are also listening to radio or a message. Do you get it? And then as you are driving, sometimes there are also uh, other passengers who have rolled down their windows, especially in the summer, and they are blasting loud music. Is that not so? But then as you are driving, in order to get home safe, you need to pay attention to what's happening on the road. But then you cannot shut down these other voices. But you must know what voice is most important to pay attention to at every moment in time. Is that not so? So life is about being able to discriminate. There's one place where discrimination is a good thing. In order to select what voice you focus on. And the voice of the Lord trumps all other voices. The voice of the Lord is higher than all other voices. Hallelujah. And so it says that you must hearken, and then there is a word there, diligently. What does that word imply? With all attention. When you say somebody is diligent, careful, okay, conscientious, follow it to the core, discipline. If I send you, if something is lost and I send you to go to this room to look for it, and you go and come back in five seconds and say, I didn't find it. Were you diligent in searching for it? Diligent connotes effort, hard work. Hallelujah. It means that in listening to the voice of the Lord, you must have a certain tenacity, a certain relentless spirit that you're going to fight that the voice of the Lord is going to be the most important thing in your life. Hallelujah. But you see that in, uh, in, uh, in the um, verse, there is also something that is a payoff or a benefit for hearkening diligently to the voice of the Lord. What is the benefit? The Lord will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Hallelujah. You know, in Bishop's writing, there's, a, there's an expression he calls kingdom promotion. Amen. Kingdom promotion. Everybody in the earth is trying to promote themselves. In fact, in this country, you must learn how to promote yourself. Amen. Yeah, whatever you are doing, you must, you must be able to articulate and let people know that you, you know what you are doing and you can, you, you can talk about it with confidence. Hallelujah. But how many know that not everybody that promotes themselves ends up being promoted? There is a promotion that only the Lord can do for you. Amen. And when the Lord promotes you, nobody can demote you. So one of the things we must strive for is the promotion of the Lord. When God himself has set upon himself to promote you, it's like he has a meeting. It's okay, what shall we do about this person? And then there's a council meeting. Because you see, that, in case you didn't know, there's council meetings in heaven about what is happening in the earth. Amen. One time there was a, there was a council meeting. You know, a meeting can be had about you either for good or for bad. Is that not so? Yeah. I mean, if at the workplace they are, they are um, going to promote people. There's a meeting around that that they discuss, you see, and then they discuss, your name comes up, and then they discuss you. Then somebody says, this person is like this person, and then pray that there will not be somebody in that meeting who will say something negative about you. Hallelujah. Because sometimes the chief executive who is trying to make that decision, he wants inputs from other people that you interact with. Is that not so? Yeah. In the Bible, there was a, a council meeting about Ahab. Poor Ahab, he didn't know that a meeting has been had in the heavens about his life. So the Bible says that, I think it's in a, either first or second Kings. We are not going to check that, but maybe another day. That the Lord said, that the, the Bible said the council was sat, the Lord was sitting on his throne. And the Lord asked the question, who shall go and entice Ahab so that he will go and be killed? Amen. So it's a very scary thing. This meeting, and then the Bible said an evil spirit came forward. I, don't, I wonder how evil spirits were also invited to the meeting, but the Lord uses evil spirits to do his work. Amen. If something bad is supposed to happen, the Lord will remove himself, and then the evil spirit gets their chance. But the Bible said that the evil, one evil spirit said, I will go. And then he, the Lord asked the evil spirit, how are you going to do it? Amen. Are you following? Because you may make a lot of promises. I want... Ahab, because what has Ahab done? Ahab had abandoned the Lord. He had left following God, and he had instituted a false religion in the land. He and his wife Jezebel. 
And there comes a time that God just watches it to happen for a while. And it is seen as if God doesn't care. But he's waiting for the cup to be full. Sometimes judgment is delayed because God wants to give people a chance to repent. Is that not so? So, the Lord asked the evil spirit, how are you going to do it? Then he said, I am going to be a lying spirit in the mouth of the prophet, his prophet. A lying spirit in the mouth of his prophet. So in other words, the prophets that are advising Ahab, I will enter them and give, them, give him bad advice. So that means that it's not every prophet floating around that you should listen to every, every word that they are saying. You must know the word of God yourself because what if evil has been determined to happen to you and the way the evil is going to happen is a lying spirit has been sent to speak through a certain prophet. Amen. To tell you something that says, they say that says the Lord, but it's actually coming from a lying spirit. But if you are somebody close to God, walking with God, and knows the word of God, when a prophet says something to you that is not from God, you'll be able to discern it. Hallelujah. That is, that is why in this church we emphasize knowledge of the scripture. As a believer, you see, you cannot, you cannot relegate and delegate your destiny, your spiritual destiny to any human being on the planet. Amen. Are you listening to me? Bishop Dad, if you look at his books, you have a point. One, two, three, then he has a verse explaining the point. The whole point is that he's trying to connect you to God. We are talking about staying connected and prosper. Hallelujah. You, so your connection to Bishop Dad is because of the desire to connect to God. No human being should replace God in your life. Hallelujah. But a lying prophet came to tell Ahab. Ahab also didn't know that a meeting has been had about him. What did he do? He called for a meeting. He said, you know what? This territory in the northern part of Israel, called what? Ramoth Gilead, has been taken over by the Syrians. Should we not go and fight and get it? And then he called for the prophets to come and tell him, is, is it the Lord's will to go? And all the prophets were under the influence of the flying spirit. They all said, go in peace, you will win. Amen. You see, if you look at the Bible very well, if you look at the scriptures very well, the prophets in their writing, it wasn't only good things they were saying. Amen. If you gather to yourself a prophet who only tells you good things you would like to hear, that person is not sent from God. Because the Bible said the word of God is sent to do what? To exhort, to rebuke. Sometimes the word of God must rebuke you. Sometimes the word of God must warn you. If you have a prophet who only tells you, they want your money. So they will tell you this, this, and that, and they won't tell you what is wrong with you. Amen. If you have a friend who will not tell you what is wrong with you, he's a very bad friend. Hallelujah. Sometimes the people closest to you are the ones who should know what you need to change in your life. But these lying prophets, they just told Ahab what he already wanted to hear. Because God had already decided in the councils in heaven that this Ahab must go there and die. And then somebody said, well, are these all the prophets? They said, no, there's one prophet, other prophet. Go and bring him. When that prophet was coming, somebody met him at the door. I, was it Benaiah? Was his name, his name Benaiah? Somebody met him at the door and said, you see, all the prophets are saying good things. That he should go to the world. When you go in, you better say something, something good. Amen. And when he went in there, initially he said, yes, go. You go to the world. But you see, Ahab, it looks like, it looks like he suspected something. So, so he said, are you sure you are telling me the truth? Because that prophet tells the truth all the time. And he was surprised that that prophet is agreeing with the other prophets. Amen. And so, then the man, the, that prophet said, look, I saw the heavens. Is that prophet because of him that we saw the heavenly council meeting? He said, I saw the heavens open, the Lord sitting on his throne, and the Lord saying, that, um, you know, who will go and entice Ahab to go to war? And then Elias priest, he basically recounted the whole thing. So he said, well, if you go, you go at your own risk. I have seen the vision, what is going to happen? Well, Ahab got angry. He said, have I not told you this guy is a, a bad guy? He doesn't like my good. He says, the person who tells you the truth, it may appear like your enemy. And he had him, he had somebody slap him. Somebody slapped that prophet. Then, 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 he, then he said, um, who slapped, 
why did you slap me? Then, then he made a statement that when you go into the inner chamber, because when they slapped him, they asked him who slapped you. He said, when you go into an inner chamber, in the quietness of your inner chamber, you know who did it. Hallelujah. Basically, he was punished. He was rather ridiculed. He was rejected. Ahab went to the wall. And when he was going, he brought Jehoshaphat with him. You know, after Solomon died, the kingdom was divided into Israel and Judah. Is that not so? So Ahab was ruling over Israel, and Jehoshaphat, I mean, it was Rehoboam. Why is Wendy? Is she teaching the children? Because that's a tip in the exams that is coming. Rehoboam will come. <laughs> Amen. So you see, when Rehoboam came to power, on his first cabinet meeting, he made a statement that, if my father whip you with uh, what? Sticks. I will whip you with scorpions. The people said, eh, okay, have your kingdom. So ten tribes broke away from the kingdom. And then, and then so you had, uh, during the days of Ahab, Ahab was ruling over ten tribes, and Jehoshaphat was ruling over two tribes to the south, Judah and Benjamin. And he called Jehoshaphat, are you coming to me with, with, me, with me to the wall? Then he said, I am as you are. Your people are my people. In other words, your war is my war. So Jehoshaphat, who was a good king, went along to fight along Ahab in the war against the Syrians. But understand that, you see, a lot of physical things that are playing, and this, this is what I'm using this to explain to you. A lot of physical things are really not physical. It is something spiritual that is playing out in the physical. Something has been decided in the realm of the spirit. Hallelujah. The world is a world of spirits. One day I was watching a movie called The Matrix, and there were two characters who could come into physical flesh and they can go into spirit from back and forth. As I was watching, the Spirit of the Lord said, you are dealing with a world of spirits. Hallelujah. Please don't be babyish about it. Don't be, don't be naive about it. It is a world of spirits. So when they are, we are going to the war, okay, it looks like Ahab somehow he was, it's like, it's like as if he felt like something bad could happen. The intrigue will say, nah, if he seen it so. He felt like something bad is about to happen. So he didn't dress like a king, like the way the kings usually dress. Are you listening to me? And then Jehoshaphat, the king from Judah, dressed like a king. When they went to the war, the captain of the Syrian army, he, gave, he got specific instructions that this war is not about killing Israeli soldiers. Because normal war, two armies are fighting. And what? They are fighting and who, whoever will kill more people wins. Is that not so? But the instruction came that this war take neither great nor strong. When you find Ahab, just kill him. What type of war is Because it has been decided in heaven that Ahab should die. I'm talking about how there is council meetings in heaven. But if you are a person who follows the voice of the Lord, the council meeting will be in your favor. Are you listening to me? So when they went to war, when the Syrian army saw uh, what's his name? Jehoshaphat. Because he was dressed like a king, they thought that was Ahab. Do you get it? And so they arrested him. They, they took him. And then he said, oh, leave me, leave me, leave me. And then finally they said, okay, this is not, this is not Ahab. So they let him go. Do you, do you get it? But Ahab was not dressed like a king. The scripture says, somebody drew their arrow. Do you get it? And then when they shot their arrow, the Bible said that the arrow went a joint. So because in those days, they will cover themselves with armor, whereby, but there was a joint, let's say you have a metal covering this place, a metal covering, where there's a joint, the little space that was left, the arrow went, it seems like randomly. And of all the people that were fighting, the arrow didn't find anybody. The arrow was not aimed at Ahabu. It was an arrow that just went randomly like that. And it found Ahab and hit him at the place of the joint. And that's how Ahab died. Amen. That is a revelation that you must, you must be willing to engage the spirit realm. Because the spirit realm, what happens there affects what happens here. Don't joke with it. And the voice of the Lord, if you connect to the voice of the Lord, if you make it your goal, that I will connect to the voice of the Lord, then... When the Lord is having a council meeting in heaven, you get it. That council meeting in heaven is not going to be like Ahab. It is going to be that, oh, what should we do for this sister? Amen. Because we can see that 
she is after God. She's doing her best to pursue God. We can see that she's struggling about this situation. Now, this time, let's tell the devil enough is enough. Amen. Amen. And what's going to happen is that angels will be released in your situation. Because the Lord himself has, will set thee on high. When the Lord determines to set thee on high, no power can stop the Lord. Amen. Are you following what I'm saying? So please, let us not just pursue all the things the world is pursuing. God is not against that. See, when we are talking about staying connected and prosper, it's two parts. Stay connected so you shall prosper. Connected to what? To God. To the church. To the leaders of the church. To the word of God. To the counsels of God. To the vision of God. In this church, what is our master key to prosperity? There's a verse that Bishop talks about all the time. It is the master key to prosperity that God has given us as a revelation, as a church. Joshua 1.8, okay, that verse talks about prosperity, but that is not the particular verse we are looking for. Matthew, flip it, Matthew 6 and verse 33, hallelujah, Matthew 6 and verse 33. So let's show that scripture, Matthew 6 33, that's the master key to prosperity that God has shown to our leaders, Amen. Bishop Dark said he knew the scripture all along, but he didn't, he, he didn't come out confidently to proclaim this is the master key to prosperity because he's been practicing it. And then one day he was listening to Bishop Oyedepo. Bishop Oyedepo said the Lord revealed to him the master key to prosperity is this verse, Matthew 63. Bishop said, ah, I too have the confidence to say because when people are talking about prosperity, that's not the scripture they quote. Are you there? So, seek, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the, maybe let's start from uh, 31, because um, before Jesus came to this scripture, something was happening. Therefore, do not worry. Okay? Do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Let's stay there for a moment in 31. Do you realize this is what people in the world are worried about. Amen. What shall we eat? By the grace of God, I don't think there's anybody here who worries about what they shall eat. Is there anybody here? But the rest of the world, you know, poverty, you know, I found out this week that 20% of American children are living under the poverty line and don't have enough food to eat. I was shocked. 20%. I was totally shocked that this is the United States of America. But so there's poverty and there's hunger. Amen. So people are worried about what they shall eat. I was listening to someone. He was saying, look, sometimes, it was actually on radio, sometimes people have to weigh between the money that they have in their hand. They have to weigh between paying the bills versus feeding their children. So because if they pay the bill that is due, there will not be enough to feed the children. So people are genuinely worried about what they shall eat. What we shall drink, amen, it goes with the eating, what we shall drink. But, you know, let me say that drink is also symbolizing a test in people as to what will satisfy us, what will make us happy. Because people drink to be happy. Do you get it? So that, what we shall drink, also symbolizes the quest of your life. What is the driving force that you think once I attain it, it will make me happy? Do you get it? And then, what shall we wear? As for this one, we can preach a series on that. What shall we wear? <laughs> for some people, it's, it's, it's genuinely what shall we wear, right? Like, they don't have anything to wear. So what shall we wear is a genuine worry. But for a lot of people, especially in this room, the what shall we wear is not the question of not having, it's a question of which one should I choose? <laughs> Amen. This is what people, if you're worried in this life, if you're worried... If you're, if you're worried in this life, all that you worry about is limited to what you shall eat, what you shall drink, and what you shall wear, then your spiritual, your spiritual grid is very low. Because the commonest worry of everybody in the world is are these things. Now, as believers, you and I must be elevated and graduate above the general worries of everybody else. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? 
which you and I must worry about things beyond the physical and natural things. So let's go to the next verse. For after these things, who seek? The Gentiles. Another word for Gentiles is unbelievers. These are the things unbelievers are what? Seeking. For your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Now if you look at the description in verse 31, in the United Nations, you know, there are certain things called the basic human needs. Do you get it? Those are basic needs. Eat, drink, and wear are basic human needs. Except the United Nations added shelter to it. The basic human needs are food, clothing, and shelter. Is that not so? The majority of the people in the world don't have that. Amen. But the scripture is saying that if you become a child of God, because you become a child of God by faith, 2,000 years ago when Christ hung on the cross, you were not there. Is that not so? But somehow, you have submitted yourself to, to that concept of a Jewish carpenter preaching righteousness who has been killed. You never met him. Is it not a leap, a great leap of faith? I mean, Sunday, Sunday, I was going to say Sunday morning, it's not morning anymore. Sunday afternoon, don't you have something better to do at home? Eat banku. Somebody eat banku. Mr. Sule, if you went here, I mean, wouldn't you find something meaningful to do? You would. Hallelujah. I mean, one brother, he was asked uh, why he was not in church. He said that he was cutting his grass. Because perhaps he's busy throughout the week. So Sunday is a convenient time to cut your grass. Hallelujah. You may not think that's important. Me, my neighbors have, one particular neighbor has warned me about my grass before. He said, you should take care of your grass. He said, look, you are making the neighborhood uh, uh, shabby. He said, he said, if you don't have time, let me tell you, if you reduce the, the how much you are praying, you will have time to. He literally said that if you reduce how much you are praying, I wonder how he knew I was praying. <laughs> but that's the statement he made. It's a guy who lives across the street from where we live. Amen. <laughs> if you reduce your prayers, you'll find time to cut your grass. <laughs> Hallelujah. What I'm saying is that why is it that you are here on Sunday when you had other things? I mean, I don't know whether there is a, anybody here who the 24 hours is enough for them in the, in the week. When we were in college, there was a guy who said he's found the secret to creating the 25th hour. <laughs> There's not enough time to do what you want to do. Even when it comes, somebody said, well, I mean sleep. Do you know they recommend eight hours of sleep? How many here get eight hours of sleep every night? You don't. What I'm saying is that for you to leave all that, even if you've got nothing to do, you can use the Sunday morning to sleep in. But you are here. Why? Because of faith. Because you believe in an invisible God. Is that not so? Because you believe in, in the word of God. The Bible said that all creation, all things, it said, by faith we understand. Hebrews 11.3. By faith we understand that the worlds were created. That the things that what are visible were created out of invisible things. Hallelujah. So why am I saying this? If we are people of faith, by the same faith by which we came into the fold of the body of Christ, it is but the same faith by which we must trust God. He said that your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Hallelujah. But people are still worried. People are still worried about many, many things we shouldn't be worried about. So after this, that is when Jesus said, I'm going to show you the secret. The secret that you would be, you would be graduated from above what everybody else is looking for. We are talking about staying connected and prosper. Now, if you are going to stay connected, you must stay connected to how God wants to prosper you. Hallelujah. If God wants to prosper you a particular way, but you are trying to find your own way of prosperity, it's not going to work. Hallelujah. So, the way God wants to prosper us is verse 33. Let's go there. But seek first. You see, it's not that you won't seek, but seeking it first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. When the bishop said, somebody, a missionary from a very poor part of the country came to see him. And the missionary, when he was leaving, gave him an envelope, gave Bishop Dag an envelope. And in the envelope was dollars, like, like fresh from the printing house, like fresh dollars, hallelujah. He didn't mention the amount. The bishop said that 
for a moment, he thought about it because where this guy was doing the work of God is in a very remote place. Are you there? That he wasn't expecting something like that from that guy. Let alone, let alone convert it into dollars. He said, he began to ask himself, where did he, he even find a forest bureau? <laughs> where, or, or a bank, where he changed the local currency to dollars. Hallelujah. But he found out that this boy, this young man, had dedicated himself in seeking the kingdom of God. And somehow he has been blessed. And the blessing defies any manner of explanation. I'm telling you that, you see, the world is chasing after money and chasing after things. But the Bible said the Heavenly Father knows you have need of these things. We must have a mindset that the reason why we are looking for what we are looking for must have a purpose. Hallelujah. And if the purpose for your prosperity, as a matter of fact, you want to do well, like sometimes when we come on prayer meeting Friday when I'm praying, we say that, Lord, bless us. Or sometimes when I'm praying about the tithe givers and the, and the offerings, I say, Lord, bless us so that we will have the peace to do your work. Hallelujah. How many know that if you, you don't have to worry about how you're going to pay this bill or pay that bill, if you are doing the work of God, you know, you do with a certain strength. Are you listening to me? Sister Linda, don't you agree? Yes. <laughs> so, but the thing is that often our hearts are divided. Our hearts are divided. When you are seeking something first, it means first means first. Often our hearts are, it is like, it is like um, part is God and part is like, like the friend of mine whose father or whose uncle told him that you have to think very seriously. I know that you believe in God, but be smart about it. He said, be smart about it. He said, you need to do a little juju and a little God. Don't put yourself completely in this God thing that you are following. He said, look, this word is very old, though. This word is very wild, though. If you want to follow God, add a little juju to it. Amen. That, my friend, um, his uh, nephew developed a mental illness. And the money that my friend was saving to buy furniture. He was a a young man who was now trying to start. You get it. He has rented his place and was trying to save money to buy furniture for his living room. And then all of a sudden, the um, nephew developed this illness. So the money that was meant for decorating his room, he had to now use it to travel to take care of the nephew. So that is when this other relative was telling him, my friend, if you don't add a little juju, you'll be saving money and it will be going away somewhere. So it's a little juju and a little God. So this is, this is, and most of us are not actually pursuing juju per se. But the thing is that our hearts are not 100%. It's like a part of you thinks that, what if God tricks me? What if, what if God does not come through for me? Hallelujah. But you see, if the same God that you have entrusted your life to, who you have not even seen before, amen, you have not seen Jesus. How many have seen Jesus alive? Maybe one or two. Right? That Jesus has appeared to you and talked to you. How many here? I have seen the Lord three times. Do you get it? Are you listening to me? But in all the three times, he didn't say anything to me. I always say, Lord, I wish you had said something. Amen. But I could see what he was thinking. Somehow, spiritually, you can see the thoughts. I don't know how to describe it. It's like a, there's a knowing. Amen. But most of us are not walking by daily seeing the Lord, but by faith. The Bible says we walk by what? Faith and not by sight. So what I'm saying is that if you have committed yourself, some of you, some of you give generously towards the church. Amen. If I want to remind me, I will show you, I will show you the... Um, the bookstore that Reverend Ernest has built in Nicaragua. Do you get it? Remember, when Reverend Ernest came, Columbus, we were, we were one of the churches that gave him the seed money for the, because he, he wanted to do a Spanish bookstore. And he had found a printer, somebody who was willing to print the books. He would he, he get the, the, the manuscript uh, uh, digital form from headquarters, but then he needed someone to print it, and he needed people to to give him the capital to do it. It was Columbus and, and Louisville, Kentucky. Amen. And I remember you gave very generously. Is that not so? Yeah. He sent me pictures. Remind me, I'll show you one day. That it's now a very big bookstore. 
And he always calls and reminds me, and I, maybe I forgot to tell you guys, that he's always grateful. And say, I tell the people, I thank them. But what I'm saying is that you, you haven't been to Nicaragua, but out of faith, you gave. Why is it that, why can't we believe that the God, because who motivates you for you to do such things, that the same God will take care of you? Hallelujah. He said, your heavenly father knows you have need of these things. But you must make the kingdom of God the first thing you seek. Because the Bible says a double-minded person shall be unstable in all their ways. Hallelujah. So remember this scripture. That as we are emphasizing the kingdom of God, it is actually in your own interest. It is in your interest to let the kingdom of God be important to you. When the kingdom of God is important to you and you seek that first, sometimes some of the things that we worry about, leave it. Because you look at your life. For the last 10 years that you have worried about this thing, the worry has not even brought anything. The Bible says that you, you worry cannot add one inch of hair to your hair. Amen. So me, I stopped worrying about my hair a long time ago. <laughs> one, one, one day, I, 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 um, somebody was recommending to me a certain uh, product that you can use to grow hair. I said, my friend, at this my age, it's okay. I like it. Even, what's his name? Uh, Megan's uh, uh, fiancé, what's his name? The royal. Prince Harry, he also has a bald hair. Royals have bald hair and it's, it's okay. So why, why should I have a problem? <laughs> Amen. And then I told the person also, you see, uh, you, may, you may be desiring to grow your hair with all these uh, preparations. What if it has a side effect? A side effect that you, 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 know, you, you don't want to think about. So, the Bible said, even though our outward appearance is perishing, the inward man is what? I would rather grow hair spiritually. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I would rather grow hair spiritually. I would rather be taller spiritually. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. One young man in the, um, the, the, the movie, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, she met this powerful woman, and he said, I can do this for you. Then he said, can you make me taller? Some people, that, the, the, the height is their problem. Amen. Don't worry about all these things. These are all physical things that will not last. Let the kingdom of God be your main, the main thing that drives you. And when the kingdom of God is, drunk, is driving you, it is like drunkenness. We are talking about what I'm desiring and praying for is that we can connect so much to God and his agenda that it will be like we have lost our mind. It will be like it, will be like it is an, an infatuation. Have you seen someone who is infatuated with someone? That they cannot, they cannot sleep, they cannot do anything. And sometimes you actually need to put a restraining order because the guy may do something uh, uh, strange. This is what God is calling us. Because when we sell ourselves out to God, I can guarantee you, miraculous things will begin to happen. Because you see, if you are God and you are in heaven, and you have an agenda and not a lot of people are interested in it, if you find a few people who want to follow your will and do your agenda, would you not support them? It would be insane not to support them. Hallelujah. So we are still on our message. Staying connected and prosper. You see, prosperity and following God is not mutually exclusive. It is not an either or thing. Do you get it? It is not an either or like, okay, either you serve God or you become prosperous. In the mind of God, it's already included in his plans for you. In fact, that's why we read the scripture from Jeremiah 29, 11, that I know the thoughts I have about you, thoughts of good and not what? Of evil. To give you what? An expected end, a prosperous end, a hope and a future. So God desires that for you, but he doesn't want the prosperity to be in front. He wants you to seek the kingdom of God first, and then the prosperity will follow. If the prosperity leads, is your goal and your aim, hallelujah, it, it, it will destroy you. Let's look at that scripture. There's a scripture we read last week. Um, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 32. I hope I'm right. Proverbs 1, 32. You see, anything that seems so easy, for the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Another verse says, the prosperity of fools will destroy them. Amen. So you see, you and I, when we come into Christ, we have become what? Wise. We have, it's like our eyes are open to another reality that other people have not seen. it. And the wisdom of God is what will lead us to the prosperity. Hallelujah. Now there are people who are blind to salvation, who are blind to giving their life to Christ, 
who are pursuing riches, who are pursuing, you must, you must be worried about it. You must, you, if somebody is getting rich very quickly, you must be concerned about it. If you are a mother, if you are a mother and your daughter, uh, your daughter Lucy, Araba Lucy, who comes home? Your, your daughter comes home, right? With, maybe she goes out and she comes and you see a ring on her, very, uh, uh, I mean, expensive ring on her. Why did you get this? Oh, a friend gave it to me. Maybe you ignore it. Next time you come there, you see a bag full of shoes, right? A bag full of expensive shoes. Hey, why did you get this? Oh, a friend of mine gave me. One day you will sit her down and say, tell me, what's the fr friend's name? Oh, mommy, his name is Plange. Plange. Hi, Plange. Oh, Plange is so nice. Plange is this. And every day is Plange. Plange is happy. Next time, a new dress. So you are watching. You are following. You are watching the changes in her lifestyle. Do you get it? All of a sudden, the jewelry on her. You see, if you are an experienced person, you, you notice that something is going on. People don't just meet you within a month and shower you with jewels like that. And the next time she has pulled off a BMW, Plant has bought this for me. Wow. Say, I would like to meet this plant. Yeah. Amen. And the plant is 40 years older than your daughter with a big pot belly like this. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> we pledging you. So an experienced person will say, mm, this prosperity is too fast. Amen. Because you see, the devil's prosperity, there are no strings attached to it. Are you there? Because the devil's goal, his final plan is to bring you to hell. But he won't tell you. He can load you with all the good things of life. But it is your soul he's after. My friends, this whole thing is about the eternity of your soul. Now, if you get all the things in this world and you lose your soul, it is useless. It is nothing. But the devil, he knows that people are lured by glistering, glimmering things. You get it, bling, bling. People are moved by them. But if you are smart, you see beyond. Like, have you seen the expression, read between the lines? Have you seen the small print? This whole world is a small print phenomenon that is displayed at us. But in church, God is drawing us. He's drawing us into another arena whereby he sets you on a mountain and show you the other things besides the prosperity that the world has to offer us. God is not against you doing well and prospering. But God doesn't have the prosperity of the world to corrupt your heart. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's look at first, um, is it first Timothy? Let me look at first Timothy. We are talking about staying connected and prosper. Hallelujah. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. People in the world, they don't have any barriers or boundaries. Some kill for money. Some disgrace people for money. Some, anything that they will do just to amass more and more and more. But you and I, we have another agenda. We have another destiny. We have another destination where we are going to. Hallelujah. And so when we speak against riches, it's not that riches itself is bad. But when that becomes the driving force that moves you, and if that's the only thing that motivates you, hallelujah, then that's where there's a problem. The love of money, okay? He said people who have pursued that something bad has happened to them, they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Keep going. But you, O man of God, flee these things, hallelujah, is addressing the believer. Flee these things. And pursue what? Pursue righteousness. You see, last week we introduced that point. That stay connected by doing what? Seeking the prosperity of your inner man. The scripture in 3 John verse 2. That says that, beloved, I wish above all things that thou may prosper and be in health. Even as thou so prosperous. That so that spirit, the prosperity of your soul means grow spiritually. As you seek physical things, it must be your first priority to grow spiritually. Because when you grow spiritually, you have the, you have the, the maturity to know how to conduct yourself. Hallelujah. 
You see, one of the things that was said about Billy Graham was that in spite of the fame, in spite of the fact that he, he, he's the foremost evangelist in the last century, there was no scandal about him that you could find. Amen. But then the people who are not working with God, their prosperity destroys them. The prosperity of fools will destroy them. Hallelujah. And God wants us to balance the two. That as your heart is desiring God, even when the prosperity comes, you will know how to spend it. Not like the rich fool who said, oh, I have a lot of things. I have, I have, I have abandoned harvest. I'm going to tie it down and build bigger bands. Whereas it was God's will rather that he should use it to help other people. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? So look at that. The next, he said, pursue this thing, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. This is what we should pursue. All right? Next verse. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Why is that a, a, a fight? Because the work of faith is a fight. Things will come against you that will discourage you, that you will feel like quitting. Amen. You will feel like quitting. If you have not felt like quitting, maybe you haven't seen something. One day I heard a senior minister who founded a church. He said he has felt like quitting that church that he founded. I said, oh, wow. <laughs> All right? Find a good fight of faith, okay? Let's move to the next verse. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless unto our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which he will manifest in his own time he who is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords, who alone has immortality dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power and honor. He's writing to Timothy, a young man in the faith. He said, be careful, don't let money drive you. Now look at verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present age, Timothy was a pastor. Paul was the apostle. He was his uh, a mentor. He said, those who are rich. So in other words, the church that Timothy was pastoring, there were rich people in it. Is that not so? He didn't tell them. He didn't say, stop being rich or don't be rich. He said, command those who are rich in this person's age not to be haughty. What does haughty mean? Proud, arrogant. There are some people that, that when, they, when they are rich, they feel they are better human beings than others. But the same blood of Jesus Christ, it doesn't discriminate. Whether you are rich or poor, we all come by the blood. Hallelujah. Not to trust in what? Uncertain riches. You see, don't let your whole pursuit in life be after physical riches only. The scripture calls it uncertain riches. Hallelujah. But they should trust in what? They should trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good. He's saying that rich, if you have a lot in your hands, do good, that they may be what? Rich in good work. So, having a lot of dollars in your bank account is good. But don't let that be the thing that motivates you. You must also, there's another type of riches called being rich in what? Good works. Ready to give. So he's explaining good works means ready to give. Willing to share. Hallelujah. I was watching a movie uh, in which Mark Douglas was in it, and I think uh, there was a rich man with a golf course. Do you get it? And Mark Douglas, I forget the title of the movie, but he was walking across the golf course. And the rich man met him at the entrance and said, you know what? This is not a public place to, to walk on. Are you there? And so please don't walk on here. But Mark Douglas, that day, I think he had been fired from work. And on his way home, his car broke down. First of all, there was a traffic, traffic jam. And I think his car broke down. He left the car and he, uh, he was going back. So he was, he was not, you see, when you meet people, you don't know where they have been and where they are going. So be at peace and be gentle. So he told the man, I am not going to steal anything from your golf course. Please allow me. I just need to cross diagonally from here to here. I won't touch anything. It's just my feet to touch your grass a little. Please allow me to just walk quietly. He was begging the man. 
The man said, no, you can't. And he kept asking and he kept asking. So as the man kept on resisting him and saying, you can't go, he flipped. Because remember, he had been fired and he had had a, a, a traffic situation. And then what he did was that he didn't shoot the man. He took his gun and shot the, um, what do you call it? The go-kart, the, the, um, the golf cart. He shot it. And there was a river nearby. And the thing was running into the river. Not knowing that man who owned the golf course, his medication was in that thing, which he needed to take from time to time. So as the thing was running into the water, he was, he, he was, he was panting for breath, and he was chasing to catch the thing. Do you get it? And he got a heart attack and died. He got a heart attack, and that is, it's a movie, by the way. It's a movie. But it told, me, it told me something that being rich and being, you know, it doesn't mean, like this small favor he was asking. Some people, they just have to show you where power lies. Amen. So you should be willing to share, verse 19, storing up for themselves a good foundation. Storing up for themselves a good what? Foundation. So you see, if somebody may say, well, but I mean, I'm not, I'm not this type of person. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not so rich that I'm not sharing. Why is he preaching that? One day you will be. You got it. You see, a lot of people, eh, they are humble because they are poor. The, oh, Rev, oh, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, Rev, what can I do? It's like there's a certain humility that comes with poverty. <laughs> you got it. The true state is that when you have a lot of dough, when you begin to become or prosper, the question is whether you come to church. Number two, the question is whether, whether you will respect spiritual things. Amen. Amen. When you begin to, pro- because you see now, it's very, very hard to tell. Everybody made themselves, mm, yeah, hello, by the grace of God. He, there's a certain humility that's a false humility. One day, when you are rich, you have a lot of money, would you still regard the man of God or the woman of God? Yeah. There's a lot of people, like one, one young man, he traveled to Europe, and he was a prayer partner with Bishop Dag, Christian brother. One day, Bishop Dag heard that he had abandoned the base, he's backslidden. And he went to London, looked for him, tried to visit him. As Bishop is about to quote a scripture to try to straighten his mind, in the middle of the uh, scripture, the brother will quote it because he, he's a believer who has grown up in scripture. You know, he knows all the scriptures. So he said, he said this is what you are going to say. Then he quotes it. He said, look, we've graduated above these things. He told him in his living room, he said, ah, Doug, if I knew this is the topic that you are coming to bring, I wouldn't even have allowed you to come. And he walked him out of his, <laughs> because you are living in where? In London. You are rich. So when we are talking about this, that when you are rich, because you may say, well, but I'm not rich. Why are they talking about it? You will be rich one day. The Lord will promote you because you are seeking the kingdom of God. God the Bible said that he will take that which is of the wicked, the wealth of the wicked be transferred to the just. So even right now, the world is shifting. The institutions of the world are crumbling. And God is looking for those whose hearts are aligned with his purpose. And money is going to be transferred. Ideas are going to be given to people that they are going to prosper overnight. I'm prophesying that the Lord is going to lift you up. But we are saying this thing, we are doing what we call immunization. We are immunizing you against when that happens. When that happens, remember these preachings. That don't let the money steal your heart from God. Don't let your prosperity now make you feel like you're on top of the world. That you no longer, when they ask you, who are your heroes? Then you mention Attila the Han. He's a, the, the, the person who um, built Singapore. Amen. You mention, uh, what are some of the Bill Gates? These are the rich people in the world are your heroes. You have watched their tapes. That's, those are the things. You no longer listen to podcasts. You no longer listen to preaching because now you have made it. Hallelujah. No, we are immunizing you against that. Now look at this scripture. There's a scripture I've been wanting to share, but time is long on us, but I will read part of it. Psalms 73. Psalm 73. All right. 
Okay, so Psalm 73, starting from verse 1. It said, truly, God is good to Israel to set us a pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was what? Envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. The prosperity of the wicked is the how unbelievers are prospering. And sometimes you question yourself. This is where this psalmist was. This is Asaph. The psalmist called Asaph. He said, I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are, they are not in trouble as other men. The unbelievers who seem to be getting away with a lot of things and they seem to be doing well. And you as a believer, you question, you, you ask yourself, why are they not in trouble? They are now, nor are they playing the other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eye bulge with abundance. Amen. I want to jump. I want to jump to verse 12. Yeah, let's jump to verse 12. It says, Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. The ungodly people who are at ease. There's no pressure on them. They don't have to worry about anything. They seem to be doing well. Who are always at ease? The increase in riches. Talking about the riches of the ungodly. As a believer, do not be envious of that. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain. Thanks. He said, I have cleansed my heart in vain. That's the, the cry of the believer who is struggling with prosperity, struggling with money. You, you look at the wicked, the unbelievers who are prospering, and this is what you are thinking. A lot of people, they won't say it, but they are thinking it. He said, I have surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said, I would speak that. Behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Hallelujah. You can't make sense out of things until you come to the sanctuary of God. That is where the solution is. Until I went to the sanctuary of God. Which verse is that? Then I understood their end. Whose end? The ungodly who are prospering. He said that I understood their end. What is their end? Next verse. Surely you set them in slippery places. That is, God has set the wicked that are prospering. He has set them in slippery what? Places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to destruction as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terror as a dream when one awakes. So, Lord, when you awake, you shall despise the image. Hallelujah. Thus my heart was grieved and I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. A believer must look beyond this life. A believer must trust God. A believer must commit your ways to God. Don't lean on your own understanding, but commit your ways to God. And trust that the great God who brought you this far will be able to take care of you. He says, my flesh and my heart fail, but my God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For in this, those who are afar off you shall, from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for adultery. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your words. Put your hands together unto the Lord. May you stand up to your feet. Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise. And I want to invite you to commit your life to Christ. If you have not done it before, this is your time. If you are you're already a believer and you have backslidden, God is not here to condemn you, but he wants to receive you. So if you are that person, lift up your hand and let us pray. Thank you, Jesus, most glorious one. We appreciate you. Thank you, my God, for the word of life. I want the church to pray with me. Thank you, my God, for your mercy, for the blood of sprinkling that was poured for my sins to wash away my sins. I believe Christ died for me. He was raised from the dead for my justification. Now give me your grace to keep on believing 
and be a witness and seek the kingdom of God first so that I will prosper in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you for the sacrifice of Christ which has become the linchpin, the means by which we are elevated and translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your dear son. So by faith, we receive these elements of Holy Communion. We receive it not merely as bread and wine, but we receive it, my God, as the body and the blood of our dear Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord.